Well, good day and welcome back to Rock is Bacchus. Thanks for tuning in, Mom. <laughs> and uh, Sean's mom, are you, uh, is she going to be uh, tuning into this? Shane? Hello? Are you there, Shane? Yeah, I'm here. More importantly, is your mother there? Pardon me? Is your mother listening? No. No. <laughs> oh. Definitely not. Well, actually, my mother isn't listening either because uh, she hasn't figured out the technology. I sent my kid <laughs> over there to help sort her out, but she's locked out and she's in the cloud somewhere and she's locked out. Can't get back into yeah. the cloud. So <laughs> weird. just in case I say hello to mom anyways. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, Sean, you're Shane. You're a first time t- first time repeat offender. You've been on that yeah. show before. Um, I, guess, uh, I guess that's a good thing, then. <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll see what the public has to say about that. Our two moms. Oh, and Pete's mom, too. All right. So last time you were here, you talked about uh, first time uh, coming into contact with the enemy and how that went and how what yeah. your expectations of it were. And this time you're here to talk about uh, a mental injury. Uh, yeah. Everybody's favorite subject. Yeah, well, it's definitely a popular one, uh, considering the amount of uh, men and women who were uh, were afflicted with it after Afghanistan. Yeah. And uh, according to psychologist friends of mine, uh, we haven't yet hit the peak of uh, PTSD or mental uh, injuries that uh, are going to be seen from that that war. No, it doesn't surprise me. No. So uh, you've got, you had 17 years in the military and then you were released because of uh, a mental injury. Yeah. And uh, and we say mental injury simply because when you say uh, mental illness, people people look at it as a negative, where everybody understands an injury, whether it's a yeah. fractured bone or or a bruise or you know something uh, a mental injury. It's something they can all relate to. They realize it takes time to heal, and uh, they can relate. And it doesn't it doesn't sound so scary as mental uh, mental health uh, issues. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, why don't you go ahead and, uh, well, we, we kind of, we sort of took a uh, structured path last time. Let's just wing it this time. What sure. do you say? <laughs> <laughs> I like you. Okay, we'll wing it then. So uh, <laughs> you were, you were um, released because of uh, mental injury. And uh, yeah. did that, that go smoothly for you? Um, the, the actual release process... Yeah, I mean it's it's certainly not without its issues. Um, what were the issues? Well, uh, well, for example, the uh, you know, and I, I guess this is pretty common regardless of how you're you're released. But um, um, my final day, my final out clearance, uh, it was just me and a, another corporal in a small room, corporal clerk, and uh, I signed, you know. 10 or 15 pieces of paper and it was, yeah, okay. Thanks for coming out, you know, uh, after 17 years of service. Um, and I think that's, that's a huge travesty on how, um, did you not get a uh, departure with dignity? No. Um, I, I specifically didn't ask for a DWD, um, just, just because, you know, um, I'm in Ottawa now I was in out in Edmonton before and, um, yeah, there are just some location issues. Um, I just, to me, regardless uh, if there's a DWD or not, there should be, you know, something a little more 
not necessarily formal, but you know, when you clear into the to the army, there's a swearing in ceremony, and you know, you have officers there, and everybody congratulates you and shake your hand. But when you go to leave, it's a corporal and you in a in a small room, and it's yeah, okay, that's it. <laughs> well, it's it's the the gold standard, so to speak, is a departure with dignity. Uh, and for those that that don't know about the departure with dignity, it's uh, when a member is retiring from the military, um, they throw uh, a get together, usually at at your request, who's going to be there, um, and they present you with your certificates and your scroll signed by the prime minister and all that other and your yeah. pins and flags and whatnot. Yeah, um, so, so sorry, and I, I know this is kind of another rabbit hole, but to, to me, the, the issue with the DWD is they, once again, they leave it up to the troops to, to decide and not, and not the actual chain of command. And what ends up happening is a lot of people uh, don't get one. They don't get their certificates or they don't, uh, you know, they don't get the handshake. They don't get that, that family kind of feeling when they leave. Yeah. Well, you don't get a swearing out because you're doing most of the swearing when you're heading out yeah. anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most of your swearing is done while you're in. <laughs> so, what what did you uh, you you walked out the uh, the front gates and uh, nobody waved goodbye to you and you just sort of said, hmm, "Well, carry on." What did you carry on to? Um. Well, I'm working uh, working as a blacksmith now, okay. um, which is. Not something I ever would have thought I'd be doing, but it, it's it's a lot of fun. You know, I, I uh, it's been really really good for uh, for my mental health, and um, I would highly encourage others to you know if if they're not sure what to do to pursue some sort of arts or trade or craft um, once they're out. Well, did you have any any training before you left? Um, this is what you're going to. Uh... This is what you're going to experience. Anything like that? No. So you were, <laughs> Short you were answer, no. thrown out onto Civvy Street. Thanks for showing up. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. You know, I. I suppose. You know, everybody's a unique case, but I suppose I was fairly unique in that I had kind of a, a clearly defined goal as to what I wanted to do and what I wanted to accomplish. Um, so they let me. You know, they kind of let me run with it. Um, you know, kudos to the to the people out uh, at the JPSU in Edmonton. They were, uh, uh, I was in the process of trying to get my final move back here to Ottawa, and they helped me out a lot. So they, you know, in, in that aspect, they were good. So the release process uh, from a medical perspective went uh, went smoothly. Yeah, and yeah, for the most part, the I've had some issues with uh, with VAC and you know getting paid for uh, or getting my my meds covered. Right. Um, so that that yeah that took a bit uh, was a bit of a pain in the ass. So the medical end went all right. VAC uh, Veterans Affairs for those that don't know, um, it's not unusual to have a few hiccups. I I personally uh, I had no problem with uh, the Veterans Affairs. They've uh, done well by me. Um, yeah. So the medical system went well. You didn't have a departure with dignity, and nobody was there to sort of say thanks for coming out. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Um, other than that, your transition. What did, what happened? How, how long before you walked out those main gates and into uh, blacksmithing did it take? Uh, it was 
Immediately. I, uh, I took advantage of the, uh, the vocational rehab program. Right. Um, well, you were still in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I moved back East here in 2019 and I wasn't officially released until the second of March this year or sorry, 2020. Okay. Um, so in between that time I was, I was working full time as a blacksmith. And are, are you receiving ongoing medical care? Yes. For mental injury? Yes. And in fact, I speak to the doc right after I speak with you. Oh, well, hopefully I don't <laughs> wind you up. Um, what, what's it like living with a, a mental injury? What, uh, what, what, what can you, what, what can you tell us about the effect and the effect on you? Um, it's for lack of a better term, it, it, it's interesting, you know, um, every day is different. Um, yeah, as far as impact goes, um, my, uh, yeah, I, again, it's hard for me to, to really quantify it or, you know, state what's, what's up. Um, well, for instance, is it like, you know, are you battling depression constantly? Is it like living in a fog continually? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, well, the, the depression comes and goes, um, you know, there was the holidays, for for example, are always kind of a uh, a tough time. Um, you know, for for obvious reasons, <laughs> I would think. Um, well, what do you mean by obvious reasons? Well, just let's not leave them guessing out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point, Steve. Um, <laughs> of course, I'm bloody brilliant, man. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the big thing for me is is. In, this might be outing myself a little bit, but the big thing for me is the um, just kind of the loneliness aspect of it, you know, the, the self-isolating. Um, so I see, you know, for example, see people posting pictures of their families and, um, you know, the, the good times they've had over, over the Christmas holidays, hanging out with their families. And um, I don't really do that. <laughs> Did you like, do it yeah. prior? Like, were you... Yeah. Fairly social? Did you get along well with your family? Did you have good family support? Not entirely. My uh, my brother and I are close, and my brother and his family and I are, are close. Um, so, you know, I'll spend, I spent time with them over Christmas. Right. They live close um, by? Pardon me? They live close by? Yes. Yeah. Is he a civvy or is he a, has he been military? Well, he's kind of in between. He's a firefighter. Was a okay. firefighter, first responder, yeah. firefighter for nearly thirty years. So, wears a uniform. Can somewhat understand what you're going through. Pardon me. I said he wears a uniform and can somewhat understand what you're uh, yeah. going through. Yeah, exactly. So, do you have a, a support group to help get you through this, or how, how do you how do you bang on ahead? Um. Yes and no. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, I would like more, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I do have some, uh, some good friends here in Ottawa that, uh, that I was on tours with and, you know, I've, I've known since basic training and, um, and I, I know what, you know, the, the darkest times I can always give them a shout. And, and how often are, do you hit the darkest times less now? You're saying you, you're seeing a psychologist after you talk to me, are you? Yes. Yes, I am. So um, how long have you been seeing him? 
or her? He, um, I've been seeing him since off and on since 2013. He was, um, the psychologist up at, uh, at Seesaw. Oh, we there. outstanding. Yeah. Um, so when I was there, I started getting help and started seeing him. But when I moved out West, um, I was posted back out West. There was uh, a bunch of different doctors I saw. And then when I, I came back here, Vac, uh, he still works uh, with the military. So Vac, uh, Vac approved me being able to see him and he was more than, more than willing to take me on again. So. Well, that's good. Yeah, he's uh, both him and his wife are uh, friends of mine, yeah, and I. Uh, they're outstanding. Yeah, both both very compassionate, very uh, uh, Frank Frank. Oh, I'll use his first name. I just did. Um, yeah, <laughs> Frank. I'm not I'm not plugging his business here. Uh, he's he's just a very well spoken, uh, thoughtful man. You can tell. Yeah. You, you can tell. He he live. He's like that. Uh, old saying that's been attributed to uh, the First Nations uh, people. Uh, the creator gave you uh, two two ears and only one mouth, so you could do as much, twice as much listening as you do speaking. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, he definitely, he listens, and uh, the the feedback you get from him is, is, is in my opinion, awesome. He's a, he's a, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And yeah. I, while I was still in... Um, I went through, must have been at least 13 different doctors, Steve, that I saw. Um, From psychiatrists between, to... Yeah, between psychiatrists, psychologists, um, social workers, um, and general practitioners. Yeah, it was yeah. between 13 and 15. I forget exactly how many now, but it was it was well into the double digits. So, um, so what are you working on to uh, overcome your um, your loneliness? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I am, which is probably part of, part of the problem. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't imagine blacksmithing is a particularly social job. Um, it can be. You know, uh, this year has been uh, different for because of the plague. But yeah, <laughs> um, last year there was a bunch of different. Uh, um makers fairs or you know get togethers um, um, within the blacksmithing community we have what's called the hammer-ins where guys will get together or smiths will get together and you know um, um, do get, stuff and get you know, creative <laughs> make make shit and, yeah challenge each other so today we're going to make a knife or something along yeah, those lines you learn from each other uh, you know guy, guys will bring their own anvils and, and forges and uh, you can walk around and discuss things and, you know, that kind of, that sort of thing. How, how is, um, you were, you were first diagnosed with a mental injury, uh, how far back? Um, officially 2013. So what, what has changed from, from then to now with your, uh, uh, with your injury? Um, I'm not in the army. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Steve, that was for me. That was um, a, a big issue. Um, the, Why did you feel a sense of loss or of companionship, of family, or what? N- no, um, um, if anything, the, the opposite. Um, the the battalion I was in 
um, had become so toxic to me that just being there physically was, was making me ill. Okay. Um, was it because you received no support from them or? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that was uh, a big part of it. Absolutely. What, what was your feel about, about it? What, what did you expect and what were you actually uh, getting back? Um, like, were you getting, what I'm getting at is, were you feeling a sense of uh, um, that they were shaming you or? Um, not shaming, um, just not caring. The I have kind of different thoughts on on the military and, and leadership and their um, role and their job as far as it comes to the the, the mental well being being of, of the troops and uh, you know as a whole I think the Canadian forces are are failing at it um, and I'll give you an, I'll give you an example the example I always give people is the uh, the Sent- Sentinel program. Um, for those that don't know, the Sentinel program was designed, it's a two or three day course, or it was anyways, where a private or a corporal can take this course. And I don't know exactly what the course entailed, but it was supposed to be able to take these guys and have them talk to their peers. So if another corporal or another private didn't feel like he could talk to his chain of command about about something, then he could go to one of his peers. About issue, like about um, how how he was being treated within the unit, or how something was working. You about, mean about or? anything, mental health, um, you know, family life, um, okay. you know, anything. My issue with that is that if you, as a leader, have scared or you know upset your troops to the point where they can't come talk to you, then you fucking failed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you have failed as a leader. And I, I find that the forces has a tendency to put the onus on the troops and not the leadership when it comes to, to mental health. You don't think that you're getting support from a top down thing. You're getting support more from a bottom up. Yeah. Like you're going to get more support from guys in your peer group than you are from your officer commanding or your platoon commander or anything like that. Yeah. And I, again, it's not, I don't want this to sound like I'm, you know, I'm complaining or I'm, I'm, I'm crying about my, my situation. Cause I'm not, it, um, to me, it's, it's a institutional failure. You know what I mean? Um, how, how do you think it can be improved? by actually training people to become leaders. <laughs> you know, we're, we're very good at the, the forces are very good at teaching people how to conduct operations. Mm-hmm. Um, but at no point in time, do we actually train leadership and no point in time, do we actually train empathy? Um, you know, that, that sort of stuff. And I'm not talking about a kinder, gentler army, you know, at the end of the day, our job is to, is to kill people. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to, to garrison life, um, there needs to be some sort of understanding or empathy that um, everyone's an individual and everyone has individual needs. Um, and that can be done within a larger group context. You know? Well, you, you had 17 years in, I had 25. And I would suggest that uh, 
the machine has come, uh, you know, come a fair, I wouldn't, I, I, I'd say even a long way. I mean, when I first got in in the, got in in 89, uh, got my first posting in 1990. And up until about 94, 95. I was in, I was in, I was in grade six, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, you dickhead. <laughs> Uh, no, you totally derailed my train of thought. Um, when, when I'm not that old. I look I look older than I am because I had to deal with guys like you all day long. Yeah, um, yeah no <laughs> smart asses. Um, I, I would say that it, you know, starting from about '94 to '95, we started learning more about specifically PTSD um, yeah. because Rwanda had just occurred. Yeah. And guys come back from Rwanda. Um, one person I spoke to thought that there were, it had been a complete failure. And a lot of other people felt much the same way, that we had got in there and started doing some good and then got out. And we didn't. they didn't feel like they'd accomplished anything. So that in itself can, can add to um, mental injuries. Yeah, for sure. And then Afghanistan. So we started, we started to learn from there. Um, I'm hoping to interview a, a guy who had a great deal of knowledge about uh, uh, the dark side of uh, mental health or mental injuries, PTSD in particular. Um, but the attention that's been given to it now, I, I would say, has come a long way. You wouldn't agree? Absolutely. I'm not, you know, again, I'm not dismissing that that they have. The, the fact that you and I can have this discussion <laughs> you know, without fear of being ostracized by, by our peers or, you know, the army yeah. you know, writ large, I think says a lot. I Would you, would you say that fewer guys your age would, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, would, would say that there's less shame now or less um, trying to hide a fact of mental injury? Um. I don't know, to be honest with you, Steve. I know within my my peer group, the guys I'm close with, um, there's never really been that much of an issue. Um, but I know, you know, over the years speaking with other people, um, that that there there definitely is an issue still. Um, yeah, I, I think that's undeniable. I, I think it's true. I'm not, I'm not saying it's it's 100 percent improved. But I think we're moving towards acceptance. Yeah, and, and it, again, it, it, you know, it, it's entirely dependent on leadership. Unfortunately, um, you know, I can give you an example when we got back from uh, from the '09 tour. Mm-hmm. Um, that was I with was, the Patricias. Yeah, a, a three oh nine. Yeah. Um, again, I was I was a master corporal at the time, and uh, about six months after we were back, I had a. Um, a corporal approached me and talking about one of his peers. And he asked if we were ever going to do the, uh, the post tour um, psychological uh, evaluation um, because he's noticed uh, a good friend of his um, loses shit, you know? Right. Um, and the fact that it took six months and somebody approaching me to, to tell me this, I, you know, I brought it up to our chain of command and, they kind of just went, oh yeah, that's right. Eh? We should probably do that. <laughs> so did they? Yep. 
So there I would suggest to you that leadership is is going on there. I mean, you've got a corporal who, although not senior leadership, is fairly low on the leadership rung, ladder rung, if you will. He, yeah. he, did, he did exhibit um, good leadership traits. He brought it up to somebody he trusted, you in particular. Yeah, who, yeah 100%. Who, mm-hmm. who said, fuck, yeah, I'm a, I'm a master jack, a master corporal. I need to do something about this. Let's bring it higher. Yeah. And the fact that your your words did take um, uh, did did have a result. I don't know about positive result, but they they did do something about it. Yeah, showed that leadership hasn't completely failed. No, and when you put it like that, yeah, you're you know you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, I'm not here to argue with you. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll fight you. <laughs> yeah, we're not far away. <laughs> Listen here, old man. <laughs> yeah, and I know you can bring weapons. I'm screwed. <laughs> I've had to be on a sunny day so my bald head can blind you. <laughs> so anyways, back on track. Yeah. <laughs> so so leadership hasn't been a I think we can say hasn't been a complete failure. And and yeah. I would argue with you. Well, they made me a leader, so maybe they have had made a few errors along the way. <laughs> but uh, le- leadership is coming along. I mean, it, it's being recognized, and uh, I think the I think the young guys coming in now are are learning about. Um, well, they they have no choice but to learn about uh, mental injuries because it's so much in the fore of of who we are. Um, we go out, our job is to go out and kill people. And, uh, and that, that itself is a, is not a small, small thing. Um, I I think, I think we're trained much better now to, to go out and do that job, um, to, to take that enemy combatant and not to dehumanize him so much, but, uh, but to recognize that, or, or not to recognize, but to come to grips with the fact that he's the enemy and we need to, to kill him. Yeah. But I think, I think that part is taken care of fairly well, but yep. the part where he's trying to kill us is, is not maybe being taken care of. No, for sure. You know what I mean? So that's resulting in, in uh, mental injuries. Yeah, the the other aspect to, to it too, I think, Steve, that that gets um, forgotten about, um, is just the general OSI or occupational stress injury. Um, I mean, we haven't been at war, you know, since two thousand. When was it? Two thousand twelve. Um, you know, and we're still losing people to to suicide. Um, yeah, at, a, at we, quite a high rate. Yeah, with, with an extremely high rate, and that makes me wonder why. And when you look at things like operational tempo, um, you know, sometimes not all the time, but sometimes subpar equipment. Um, you know, the the stress of of the job in general. What, what people fail to realize, or what people forget, seem to forget, is that multiple stressors compounded over a period of time with no release have the same physiological markers, same impact that a single traumatic event does. Right. 
Right. So when you start piling all these stressors on up tempo, uh, you know, um, family life, you lose your family life because uh, you're gone all the time. You're gone 10 months out of the year. Um, these things add up. And, you know, again, coming back to my, my argument about the, the leadership, um, nobody takes a look at that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I had a conversation. I don't know with who it, who it was. We had a simple, similar conversation. And um, the it's not that the that the command or the the chain of command didn't know that guys were being stressed because of operational tempo. Yes, that they take their orders from up high. So Ottawa comes down and says, you know, you guys have to fill this task. It's a it's a no, not fill. You have to fill, and so they gotta they gotta take people from somewhere, and that's gonna drain the mental health, the mental well-being of those soldiers eventually, because they don't have a chance to recover. You're correct. A hundred percent. But that comes back to my, my previous comment about, you know, empathy within leadership. You know, the, the R2 MR road to mental readiness, where they talk about resiliency. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the biggest things that makes people resilient is knowing that you have somebody who cares. Yeah. You know, full stop (laughs) you know you could you could get rid of that course and have leadership that that demonstrates they care while still you know enforcing rules and 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 discipline yeah um but when you've got at the very top the prime minister who goes you're asking more than we can give yeah when you've got (laughs) and he's he's the man we answer to well we answer to the queen i suppose but no our, our constitution is is at home and uh we answer to the the prime minister's pleasure if you will we do as he as he commands so that guy doesn't have a friggin clue about the military (laughs) we're not gonna go down that road i just want to get that off my chest right now (laughs) when you got that dickhead see i take that i I take back the dickhead i called you you're just a dick (laughs) when you got that at, at the helm you know what how do you how do you recover? You know, you just keep going out the door, keep going out the door. And the yep. CDS, you know, I'm sure there's great CDSs out there who, who speak their piece, but in the end, he's got to do yep. as he's ordered. Well, and therein lies the rub, right? Yeah. And it's not a happy ending kind of rub either. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'll give you an example. The, and, you know, I, I hope he doesn't listen to this. And if he does, I, I hope he doesn't. <laughs> um, mind me using him as an example, but there's um, a friend of mine, you know, acquaintance, coworker who, um, you know, over the few years I was back in Edmonton, um, at one point he went, spent three months in Gagetown teaching, flew home on like a Wednesday or Thursday um, on the Friday, reported in on Friday. They told him to pack his bag, keep his bags packed, because he was going to Wainwright for for two months. Yeah. Um, on on Sunday, he had to report in on Sunday. Um, you know, he ended up over the course of years of th- this type of op tempo. Um, you know, he lost his wife, got got divorced, etc. Um, and unfortunately, when I left, he got in a pile of shit because they found uh, he got pulled over by the MPs, um, and there was some stuff that shouldn't have been in his car that was there. Um, but at no point in time d- 
does anyone in, in the leadership look at his situation and go, why does this troop who was, you know, absolutely by all accounts an outstanding soldier from day one, all of a sudden fall off the wagon so hard, you know, what, what happened to make him do this? Yeah. Um, you know? Yeah. So what was found in his vehicle were drugs, I take it. Yeah. And they eventually put him in a position where he could take a break, but it never should have gotten that fucking far. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. And I, I dealt with a good, in my job, I dealt with a good many guys, uh, with substance abuse issues and many of them after, uh, you know, a couple of combat tours of Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, but that's, I guess that's, we could go on about that for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess. So you ended up, um, what would, what would you, do, what would you say to somebody who's been, uh, you know, recently, uh, diagnosed with a mental injury? What, what, what would you advise them? Um, that you're going to be okay. You know, um, it's, you're not alone (laughs) would probably be the big one for sure. Um, you're certainly not alone and no matter how dark things get to, to try and talk to someone. Where, where would they go though? Like who is that someone, someone that uh, they talk to? Like I got, uh, uh, Someone was listening to this show, a guy I'd never uh, uh, met before, and uh, he he sent me a message saying, um, good job, blah, blah. Um, I don't know what you did, but some, some, I, don't, I, feel, I feel bad, he says. So I yeah. gave him my contact, and he contacted me, and uh, he said, you said to talk to somebody, and so I'm, telling, I'm talking to you now. So yeah. that was a good positive positive uh, um, result of what, I, what I've been saying and what other guys like you have been saying, but who, who would you tell this guy to go talk to? Like, um, first person I, w- I, I would talk to is, you know, somebody they trust, their, their friend. Um, you know, if, if, if they have to, if they trust their leadership, t- talk to their leadership. If, if they don't feel comfortable with that, um, you know, there's other avenues that they can um, seek that won't affect their career. Such as? Um, for example, the, uh, the employee assistance program. Okay. Um, the, the only issue with the uh, employee assistance program is that it's, it, there's a set number of uh, sessions. But it, for those that don't know what it is, essentially it's um, um, a government phone number that you can call and they will set you up with either a social worker or a psychologist for a limited number of, of sessions. Why not um, tell the guy to go go to see the uh, doc? Pardon me? Why not tell the guy to go see the doc or the medics? Tell who, sorry? The, the guy you're advising. Yes. Why, why not tell him to go see a doctor or the medics? And Well, and, and that was going to be my next my next statement, Steve, for All sure. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> if they're not comfortable, you know, doing that, yeah. um, then I would suggest the uh, the EAP. Um, if if they are okay, then you know, I've I've met some outstanding medics, um, PAs, that, those sort of people like yourself, 
who um, don't suck up now. You've already done the damage with the bald comment. Yeah, yeah. or the old guy comment. <laughs> no, seriously though. Um, yeah, thanks a lot. You know, that it, I will say, you know, as, as negative <laughs> as I, I might sound, um, the one I guess shining light, so to speak, um, is you know our, our medical guys for the most part have been um, really, really good to me. Um, and yeah, they're, you know, I think that's one area where the, the stigma has certainly disappeared, maybe not entirely, but, um, you know, talk, talking, talking with a few medics, there was one medic I, I talked with at Edmonton who was, she was with us on 06 and I walked through the door and, you know, I haven't seen her. I hadn't seen her in well over 10 years and she was like sit down I, i'm pretty sure i know what's up yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was just like yeah <laughs> you know she immediately knew um, yeah, it, those people are out there I'm, I'm glad i'm glad to hear you say that because i think for the most part um the medical staff does do a good job yeah. but they're only human right they they make yeah. errors and mistakes just like anybody else does so what about somebody who's suicidal what would you say to them? Oh, geez, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, that'll teach you for coming back to the program. Yeah. <laughs> I lobbed softballs at you last time. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's really no, unfortunately, there's really no set, you know, kind of protocol for that. Um, I, I would just tell them, reach out, you know, Please, for the love of God, stop fucking killing yourselves. Yeah, I, I mean, to to say reach out, but maybe uh, for those that are listening to to actually say, look, man, you need some help. You need it yeah. now. Come with me to go see the doctor. I mean, yeah. it 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 takes a lot to uh, take that initial step. But if somebody out there is feeling suicidal, yeah. you know, yes, talk to somebody. But if they're talking talking to you or me or somebody else, then you know, try to get this person to see a doctor, a mental health professional. Um, yeah, and and as a peer or as, as that person's friend, don't be afraid to hurt their feelings. No, be blunt. I I, I had a, I had a situation a few years back where I, I was talking with a guy over the phone, and you know he kept mentioning mentioning killing himself, and you know the. the the warning signs were there. The suicidal ideations were there. Right. Um, so I ended up getting a hold of um, the DSM at the unit, and uh, they called the, the, um, the MPs and did a welfare check. And he was fucking pissed. He was yeah. not happy with me. <laughs> um, but did he did he end up yeah. uh, forgiving you for it? Yeah, absolutely. A few months later, he, he called me, and he was like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm sorry for getting mad. You know, it's – I would rather – not talk to a friend because he's mad at me than not be able to talk to a friend because he killed himself. Yeah. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day. Excellent point. Um, so back to you for a minute. Yeah. Um, you're, you're seeking help now. Um, in the beginning you mentioned, you know, some loneliness issues, uh, those loneliness issues because you don't feel you have somebody that understands your, um, Particularly set of particular set of circumstances, they don't understand them. Um, that's part of it. The 
not to sound too too melodramatic, <laughs> but uh, a, a big issue I have stems from from childhood. What I would call it an interesting childhood. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that coupled with, with army shit, it you know it makes it difficult to to find people that I I can trust. You know. Um, and it's totally, totally my issue. You know, I, I get that. That you have trust issues. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. You know. Um, I, I guess what I what what I'd ask you next is um, what what I asked other guys is what have you done for self help? And I, I guess in your case, what you did was throw yourself into blacksmithing. Um, yeah. Is there any any other steps you've taken to improve your uh, mental injury? Um, no, (laughs) (laughs) like you're not going for marathon runs or anything like that. Yeah, no, (laughs) not slapping on an old rucksack and humping down the road. Yeah. Um, yeah, not really. And, and it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, one of the side effects of of depression is, you know, unfortunately loss of, of interest Mm -hmm. of things that you used to love, you know? Um, so I, uh, you know, for example, skiing, I used to be huge into, into skiing and I did the, the ski bum thing for, for five years before I joined the army. <laughs> um, I haven't skied, in, you know, probably, I think since 2016. Well, it hasn't been a whole shitload of snow around here to do any of that. No, no not around here. <laughs> no. But, so you, you did know. the ski bum area down in Jasper and places like that? Yeah. Lake Louise and Whistler. Oh, beautiful country out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, think, things like that, the gym too, you know, working out, I used to, I used to love going to the gym and working out, but I, I used to love yeah. wandering around the mountains at BC high on mushrooms too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> that, that's me now wandering through the forest with all my forest berry friends. Um, I'm just kidding. Mr. Officer who's out there listening. Yeah, and mom, I never took mushrooms at all. I do not do mushrooms. <laughs> you can have an interesting conversation with Frank today. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, where were we? Okay, so self help. So basically, you threw yourself into blacksmithing. Yeah. Um, you and and you went out and got professional help. You're seeing Frank, so I would say yeah. that's some big steps ahead for you. Yeah, and. and- for me, as as dark as things get, and you know, they, they can get pretty fucking dark. Um, I think one of the things that's helped is you know, taking taking them one day at a time. You know, um, today I'm okay. Tomorrow I might be different. You know, tomorrow yeah. I might be stuck to the couch and you know, not able to move. Um, the day after that, I'm. I might be better, you know. the The trick, I think, is not trying not to dwell on just how dark things get. Does that make sense? He gets, it does. He, it's like staring into the abyss, and the abyss eventually stares back at you. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And that's you know, and that's easier said than done, of course. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, with my own uh, medical condition. I certainly battled with depression for for uh, some time, and uh, it it is it is. You're right. It's not easy not 
to dwell on the darkness. And yeah. uh, you, you, you try to justify it and, and uh, make excuses for it. But really, what you need to do is get yourself out of that hole and talk to somebody. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to go back to that um, original question I asked you, now that we've had a little more time to chew on it. What's it like living with PTSD every day? Um, it's hard. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not easy. Um, it certainly affected, you know, lots of things I never would have expected it to relationships. Um, Do you yeah. have any kids? Pardon me? Do you have children? No, no, no kids, not married. Just me and the dog. <laughs> what kind of dog you got? Pardon me? What kind of dog do you have? <laughs> She's a Norwegian elk hound. Nice. Yeah, it looks like a little uh, little wolf. High energy, though. Yeah, I mean, she's sleeping on the floor right now. <laughs> the, uh, I actually have to lay down blankets on the floor. Mm-hmm. She's uh, afraid of hardwood floors. <laughs> so she, uh, I got uh, one of the my whoobies. I managed to keep a couple of the ranger blankets. Yeah. So she's laying, laying on it. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a few whoobies myself. Yeah, that was one thing I was not going to give up when I cleared out a clothing store. <laughs> Mine, whoobies, you you whoobies, may have heard yeah. of these guys. Uh, the, they were the Airborne Regiment, and I kept my smock from them. You might be a little too young to actually remember that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I made sure I kept my smock. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. I guess, what else do you have to throw in? Um, yeah, I think if, if nobody takes anything outside of this, that I hope they take away just that you're not alone. And help is out there. Again, as as dark as, as things might seem or as dark as the abyss might seem, you're, you're definitely not alone. All right. And I would reinforce that. So to any of you out there listening to this or know somebody who's suffering through mental uh, injury, such as PTSD or operational stress injury, um, if you see that they're depressed, talk to them. Yeah. Be, be genuine. Talk to them. Raise the issue. Be blunt. If somebody's depressed or tells you they're depressed, ask the question, are you suicidal? Are you yeah. going to, planning to kill yourself? Yeah, 100%. You know, the guy might lie to you. And say no, but on the other hand, it might get some positive results and you can de- get them help. And yeah. help is available for you. And, um, and it's important to, to recognize those warning signs. You know, it's one thing if somebody says that, yes, they have suicidal ideations, yeah. but no, no plan. And right. it's something completely different if they say, yes, I want to kill myself and here's how I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, recognize those warning signs and yeah, don't be blunt, be forceful if you have to, you know, don't, don't be afraid to, to show up at your buddy's doorstep one day and go, Hey, let's uh, hop in the car. We're going to go fishing for the day. Yeah. You know, or, um, let's go to the gym. You haven't been to the gym in you know, the past year. Let's fucking, let's do this shit. Yeah. You know, don't, don't be afraid. Yeah, definitely. And don't, don't be vague. Don't ask questions like, are you planning on hurting yourself? Hurting yourself yeah. can leave them way too much leeway. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
you you want to ask the hard questions. Yeah. And the life you save might well be a, a buddy that, you know, you've known for years or just met. Yeah. But you've asked the questions. Well, that's a, that's a fairly dark but positive um, ending for it. So I'll give you the final last word before I sign off or we sign off. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Um, yeah, I, I guess just thank you. You know, th- thank you for, for listening and thank you for again for doing this. Well, thanks for stepping up and uh, sharing your story, man. Yeah, no worries. Pleasure serving with you. Yeah, you too, Steve. Okay. You've been listening to Rockus Bacchus, and we had Shane. Uh, you got a blacksmith um, business card or anything like that? I don't. Um, the w- one thing I, I will point out, I'm not in a position to be able to do it yet, um, but I will if you don't mind me plugging somebody. Go ahead. <laughs> there, there's uh, another dude I worked with at West, uh, Cameron Bennett is his name. He's, uh, he's looking at uh, starting up um, a group or a part of his business. Uh, he's, he's a blacksmith but he's looking at doing a thing called uh, what he calls forging ahead, um, essentially helping, you know, guys like us um, learn how to blacksmith and hopefully um, heal through, uh, through art. That's a, that's a subject that's come up a number of times healing through art. Um, yeah. So do you, how do you spell his last name? Is it B E N N E T T T I believe. Okay. So, uh, spell that all out for us. Pardon me? Give the guy's name again. Cameron Bennett. I, I believe he's in Manitoba. Okay. Is, does he have an email uh, or a business that uh, guys I can contact him through? No. no. Um, worst case scenario, uh, if people want to contact me, uh, then by all means. Um, you know, I'm on Facebook, Shane Stackpole. Um, okay. Is, for, is Forging Ahead something on uh, Facebook? Um, I don't think he does yet. He's just kind of starting out, so. All right. Well, that's, we can try, go ahead and try to Google the fella. Um, yeah. And he may have something up by, by now. Uh, yeah, I know I've seen some of your work on Facebook there, uh, and you've come a long way from your your original work to uh, what you're yeah. doing now. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cathartic. So, so Some of the uh, earlier stuff was, was, uh, horrible <laughs> i can't say horrible because i've never done it um <laughs> but so do you uh chew any animals or anything like that no so you haven't got no. into that my uh yeah i farrier work is is a completely different ball game and it's it's a way harder than what i do <laughs> and, I did, and it didn't feel like working that hard so <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine you get kicked in the head quite frequently doing that. Uh, yeah, yeah, those guys are tough. Yeah, definitely. All right then, Shane. On that note, right we're going to sign off. And uh, mm-hmm. like I said, been a pleasure serving with you. Um, come back here to the show anytime. You got something to talk about? We'll talk about it. Right on. Maybe we'll talk about being polite to the elderly next time you're on. <laughs> Well, we could talk about dementia and Alzheimer's, too. <laughs> All right, dickhead. <laughs> right yeah, I lumped you back with Trudeau again. For sure. All right, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot uh, for tuning in to Rockus Bacchus there, guys, and mom. And maybe uh, Shane's mom and Pete's mom. Um, big with the mom demographic, apparently. Also in Japan. <laughs> so thanks a lot. 
Um, live life today. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And uh, be good to each other out there. It's a tough world. Cheers.